If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Side Hustle Show 268, blogging ROI, from $18 to hundred grand a month in two and a half years. If you want to start a blog of your own, check out my free video series at blogstartercourse.com. I'll show you step-by-step how blogs make money and how to get your site online for less than you might think. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because you're ready to focus on what actually gets results. I'm joined today by the incredible and inspirational Rosemary Groner from BusyBudgeter.com. Yes, she is back for her third round on the Side Hustle Show. I think we're just going to make it an annual thing because every time we talk, I walk away just wowed with what she's been able to accomplish in such a short time and still on a part-time basis. To me, Rosemary's blogging results represent the power of a relentless focus on ROI. That's return on investment focusing on what's important and what actually makes a difference in your business and ignoring everything else. Even if it's what the conventional wisdom says, that's what you're supposed to do. If you missed our previous conversations, let me bring you up to speed. We recorded episode 142 of the Side Hustle Show about a year deep into her blogging journey. And at that point, she was earning around $5,000 a month and shared a step-by-step process for generating massive traffic from Pinterest, which I went on to apply myself and tons of other Side Hustle Show listeners have done as well. A year later, we recorded episode 199. At that point, she was up to 20, 25 grand a month, and she shared her email marketing and core affiliate strategy with us. And a few months after that, she started earning six-figure months from her site on the back of creating her own products and driving profitable Facebook ad traffic. Stick around to hear how she quadrupled her income again and how you can borrow some of the same tactics to improve your own blogging ROI. Before we dive in, let me take a moment to thank today's sponsor, FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks is the affordable cloud accounting system that's recommended by 97% of small business owners, and it's built specifically with side hustlers and freelancers in mind. How's this for safety and numbers? FreshBooks has helped 10 million entrepreneurs, myself included, get paid and keep the books in order come tax time. As a Side Hustle Show listener, you can claim a 30-day completely free trial at freshbooks.com slash side hustle. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle to start your 30-day free trial today. I'll be back with my top takeaways from this chat with Rosemary after the interview. Now, where we left off last year, Rosemary said she was studying SEO, and that was going to be the next big thing for her. So that's where this conversation begins. Ready? Let's do it. That was the worst idea ever. I ended up scrapping that. I actually did. I completed an SEO intensive 
with three other bloggers where we basically went through a course for like, I think it took like three months where we did all of the assignments. I feel like I have a really good grasp on SEO. And then as soon as I had that good grasp on SEO, I realized I didn't care. (laughs) So I ended up hiring out an SEO company for a fairly good price. And what they did was they just went back and optimized my old content. So much, much better I guess, hire ROI for rather than me spending all of my time trying to do it, just hire somebody else that can direct me into keywords that I'm hoping to rank for. The other thing that I learned from that is that all keywords are not created equal, meaning that we ranked for a ton of keywords, but 80% of those keywords, I could have cared less. Like if we ranked for, there was nothing I could do with them. Meaning you're getting traffic for it, but that traffic isn't converting and it's just not it doesn't do anything for me yeah so even if they sign up for my email list they don't really care they're not my people they're never going to buy my products or affiliates so we kind of switched out of that really quickly probably right after i would say within a month or two of talking to you are you still working with that seo company I'm not. I stopped a couple of months ago, maybe about a month or two ago. They did what we had set out to do, which was make traffic from Google equal to Pinterest. But the problem was, is that again, like we talked about, we needed targeted keywords. So the majority of the keywords that we got weren't things that I was really going for. So we pulled back on that until we could figure out kind of like a higher strategy of what specifically we were going for. Okay. So the the results were there, but not necessarily the ROI, like how you're you're driving more traffic, but it's not necessarily adding to the bottom line. Yeah. And it didn't. It didn't at all. So when we pulled back from that, we stopped caring about traffic completely. <laughs> Even before that, we actually stopped caring. I stopped caring about traffic in January of 2017. I like literally stopped caring. I don't track traffic. I don't look at traffic. I had to look up how much traffic I had for a presentation that I did on ROI at FinCon. And it was like 285,000, I think. I'm going off memory a month. Which is down quite a bit, we should know. So the last couple of years has been around 400,000 page views uh, a month. It is, yeah. So traffic is down 25%, but income is up 5x. Yes, it's crazy. So what I started doing is only focusing on creating products that serve the needs of my audience presenting them. I've obviously, I've always had a strong focus on email from pretty much before I was full-time. So continuing that focus on email and then setting up funnels. Funnels have been game changers for me. Okay. Well, let's go down that path. Let's talk about that. Creating your own products instead of being reliant on affiliate income, which was kind of what got you from the five grand a month to the 20, 25 grand a month mark. It's been primarily your products that have exploded things since then. Yes. And if you think about this, this actually makes a lot of sense because when you're an affiliate for somebody, right, you get a a portion of the commission. So like a portion of the income that they make, you get It's normally 25%. A good one is 40%. A really low one, something like Amazon or a physical product, maybe five or 8%. Yeah. And that product really isn't like custom tailored to your audience. It's custom tailored to somebody else's audience. You're just aligned enough that you can sell it and do really well with it. So when you create products for your own people that you know are hand tailored, that there's nothing else out there like that, and they're made for your people and your people like you and they like your style of teaching, and you get 100% of the proceeds, obviously that's going to be a lot more profitable. And I don't know why it took me so long to get into that. That makes sense. So what was the first product that you created? 
Oh gosh, the very first one. I actually had a couple of blogging products first. So I had the core affiliate strategy, basically all of the things that were working for my blog, I would make into PDFs that we would call them like blogging cheat sheets for my mastermind groups. So I would just basically write down exactly what I was doing step by step so that you don't wouldn't have to learn the overarching concepts or understand them, but you would just have something, a quick sheet that you could implement in four hours to get the results that I was getting. So we have the Pinterest strategy cheat sheet, the core affiliate strategy cheat sheet, something that I call date your list, which is basically how to talk to your audience. And it teaches you how to turn your email subscribers into raving fans and buyers. And then we've got one coming out on list building right now. So from that, I then went into my budgeting audience and I created the budget workbook, which sold over $100,000 in, I think, I know it was less than three months. I think it was about two months, so about eight weeks. And that was amazing. And that was the point where I was like, wow, I should really invest a lot more time in my budgeting audience. Okay. So started with kind of the blogging products we should mention. Okay. So you've got a couple audiences, which are able to segment in your email provider, which is ConvertKit still. Yes. Yes. And we segment a lot more than I think last time we talked to you before it was just budgeting and blogging. Now we do budgeting, making money, organizing, 15 minute meals for the budgeting audience. And we do a brand new, hasn't started a blog, is a blogger, but is not making full-time income yet. And then beyond full-time income bloggers. Okay. So that I'm not sending you how to start a blog if you're making $10,000 a month blogging. Yeah, I'm yeah. not really helping you at all if I do that. Okay. And so was it just an email, like going back to this budget workbook, which I'm on the busybudgetershop.com, which is linked uh, from the homepage. I see the budget bootcamp workbook, $27, sold hundred grand worth in eight weeks. Yeah. Was it primarily through the email list or just announcing it on the blog? Like where did those sales come from? Usually 80% of my sales always come from email and I actually do a pretty bad job of making sure that it's all over the blog. But usually I just focus on the email list. And then if it's like a major launch or something like that, I'll update my, I'll update the website too. But 80% of my sales are coming just through email. Was it just like, Hey, I made this thing. I think you'll like it. Click here to buy now. What was the launch process like? So we actually have it as an offer as soon as someone opts into my email list. So as soon as they choose to get, we have a 90-day budget boot camp, which is completely free. It's just the challenges to go through the 90 days. And then as soon as they opt into the boot camp, they have an option to kind of upgrade to the workbook for $7, which is a pretty significant discount. We normally sell it for $27. And they have a very limited time to upgrade at that price. We basically want people who are going through the boot camp to have a chance to have, it's kind of Pinterest pretty, we like to call it. It's really motivating. It's organized. My audience loves it because they love Pinterest. So they're all about like sitting in front of the TV with colored pens and doing this work. But okay, okay. And it means it's a higher likelihood that they actually complete the program, which means they actually get their budget under control. So it's kind of a win-win for everybody. But that converts really, really well. And not quite the majority, but most, a lot of the people that opt in for the boot camp also upgrade to get the workbook. And then it's offered again a couple of weeks after they sign up for the email program. At the same discounted price? No, it's a little bit higher than it's about $12. Okay. The second time. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? 
Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so a couple things. First of all, you don't care about traffic, but you got to get traffic to get people to hit this sign up page to begin with. So where's where's that coming from? You don't actually. <laughs> you don't. It's really just so first of all, traffic is good, right? Cuz free traffic is nice. Free traffic you don't have to pay for, obviously, it's free. So we do get a lot of signups just from free traffic from the pages that we already have. But once you understand ads, and it could be any ads, it could be Facebook ad, Google ads, Pinterest ads, any ads that you want. Once you understand ads and you can get ads to work in your favor, all you have to do is ads to that email offer. Like as soon as they join, they get some sort of a targeted offer for them that you know they're going to love and it's going to increase their trust in you. We call it like a buy-in, like they buy in. I want them to be able to be like, okay, she really understands me. She's really going to be able to solve my problems. Okay. So the freebie is the 90-day budget boot camp. Mm -hmm. And as soon as somebody says, yes, I want that, they're presented with Hey, I normally sell this budget workbook. It's going to help you do the boot camp. Yes. Um, it normally sells for $27. If you act now, it's just $7. And yes. And a big percentage of the people who have signed up just moments ago say, All right, you got me. That sounds awesome. I'm in. I'm in. Okay. Yeah. And because when they do that, when they actually take the workbook and they go through it and they're like, this is amazing. Like this actually works. It's $7. So <laughs> the next time I say, hey, I have this thing. I want you to try it. They're like, oh man, that workbook was amazing. I'm in. What, what do you want? Like take my money. Okay. And if you can get that established relationship with your audience where they know that you're not trying to get rich on them, but you're honestly trying to help them while you make money, I feel like that is kind of the secret sauce to success. Once you can get that to work, there's really no failing because they know that you have their best interests in mind and you can make an income. Like I'm very open about my income. So my readers know that I make an income, but they also know that I'm serving them while I do it. Like that's the, I'm creating products for them that nobody else is kind of creating. Remember the first time we talked and I was like, budgeting sounds like a horrible niche, like targeting people with no money. <laughs> And you're like, no, let me tell you why it's awesome. Okay. What's the tech behind the scenes like to get this countdown timer type of limited time thing, like the payment processing, the file delivery? How does that work? The tech stuff? Yeah. It's horrible. I'm not going to lie. It is horrible. You should have a lot of alcohol in your house for that couple of weeks. <laughs> Lead pages was huge for us. I set it up on lead pages and then that talks to SendOwl somehow, which talks to ConvertKit somehow. And then all of that stuff gets handled there. ConvertKit just made it super easy because they now have visual automations, which would be similar to an email program like Drip. So you can actually kind of see the way that everything is going to happen. 
lead pages unfortunately doesn't have that yet so lead pages it's just like you have to link all these different pages together because you would have like a landing page or a sales page right that's for your email opt-in like oh hey do you want this free thing and then you have a thank you page which would be like cool thanks for this free thing do you want this awesome thing that's only seven dollars also and then if they do that, then you need an additional thank you page and then you need to somehow deliver that product and then you need them to get tagged to your email system as well. Yeah, It's not something that I could explain even if you gave me five hours. It was a lot of YouTube searching and trying to figure out how to do it. Well, it sounds like SendOwl is kind of what I was at. So lead pages plus SendOwl is the software that like is building that offer page and then send out is the file delivery and payment processing system yes okay. now we complicated things when lead page came out with checkout because now you can do all of that stuff on lead pages including oh, okay. product delivery so we started messing around with that and we now have checkout and paypal and then that uses stripe so now we have like it's, it's pretty confusing okay yeah, lots of options. Okay. If anybody listening knows a better way to do that, you should totally email me and let me know because I'm all ears. All right. Is it still Grayson that's doing the doing most of the tech stuff? Yep. He's doing most of my tech stuff. John, my husband, actually helped me with most of the setup on that, which is why I don't understand how any of it works. It's just like a magic, magic thing. Okay. So that was really helpful. All right. Well, if Grayson's not busy enough, we'll give him a shout. It's imarkinteractive.com. Uh, he's built a, quite a name for himself in the FinCon community for being the go-to, the go-to tech guy. Okay. So the budget workbook is kind of the lead, or basically you're, are you making money on it? Is it kind of like a break-even on ad spend type of deal? And then we'll make money on the back end. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. You make money on it. I make money on that. I make money on the blogging products were 50% of my income. I'm not sure. I haven't calculated that in a while. We've been so busy. We're building out more of the back end of our funnels and we split it from just one budgeting funnel into the five that we just talked about. So I've been so busy for that. I've been really bad at calculating stuff. But it used to be that budgeting and blogging were about 50-50, depending on crazy affiliate sales. Like obviously, if we have like Elite Blog Academy is one of my largest affiliates, and that's the program that I use to actually learn how to blog. So that totally throws us off whatever month that launches. And then sure, sure. Freeze Easy or Grocery Budget Makeover will throw us off to the side of budgeting when that happens. All right. This sounds like a pretty elaborate system with all these different funnels and upsells and sequences and stuff. I'm curious, like how much of this was mapped out, built out before you said, okay, I'm going to dip my toes in the Facebook ad waters and see what happens. All of it. I had not quite all of it. I mean, it's definitely involved since I started, but I had the offer as soon as you opt in. That was already set up because that means that it pays for the Facebook ads. And if I'm lucky, makes the ads profitable right like from the get-go. So the thing with Facebook ads for me is that they're they're risky, right? I mean, how many... I was already making $20,000 a month before I even dipped my toes into Facebook ads. So yeah. that's kind of crazy to me, particularly because you don't need to make that much money. You could start Facebook ads like right off the gate. If you have the money, you have the ability to learn and you're willing to make that investment. And plenty of people have made profitable businesses doing just that, meaning they skip the whole blog thing. They make a product, they get a good ad system so that the ad sells the product at a profit. What's an email subscriber cost you these days? 
from Facebook? It depends on the audiences. Like 20 cents is my lowest. Actually, I think I got one for 16 cents for one ad for the budgeting audience. Wow. And then it's like a dollar fifty or a dollar forty for blogging. Okay. But each of those subscribers are worth different amounts as well. So it's much easier to recommend a higher price product to a blogger who I know is gonna maybe buy a three hundred dollar product and make thousands off of it. Versus a budgeting audience member, I can't have them spend $300 on anything because they need help with budgeting. Like there's no, that's not helping them. Okay. So the price points of products for the budgeting audience are typically a lot lower. Wow. That's crazy though. So say you're buying leads, essentially call it 50 cents and on the budgeting side for the sake of round numbers. Did you say 20% of those people buy the $7 upsell? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 22%. Jeez. Okay. And that's a really good number. That's a really, that's my highest by far. Okay. Yeah. Doubling your investment just right out of the gate. Yeah. And then you've got an email subscriber that you can recommend other relevant products or, you know, kind of send them down, down your path. Like you got them into your ecosystem and you start to build that relationship. Yeah. It's, it's really like blogging blows my mind. It has from the beginning, but like the more that I get into this stuff, like the, because really this is more business instead of blogging. Like blogging stopped when I stopped focusing on traffic and blog posts. And now I would call myself like a legitimate actual business. Yeah. And are you still pumping out content? <laughs> like, are you still, are you still blogging? Are you still writing? We are. Yeah. We still put out, we have one a week and then I still have a weekly newsletter. We are debating switching the weekly newsletter over to be completely just a funnel, like a long, long funnel. I, what would they call it? Like a sequence autoresponder? I'm not really sure. Okay. So that meaning I'm not writing it live every week. It's just whenever you come in, you get the first one and then it just keeps going for like years. <laughs> so we're debating doing that. That's what I would call a funnel. Just to free up your time and instead of like sending out the weekly post, it would just be pre-written stuff. Right. And it's not, it's still written by me. It's just instead of like me sitting down every week and writing out a new email, it would be that when you join, you get the first email that I ever wrote and then the second email that I ever wrote and then the third. So if you join right now, you're getting the stuff that I wrote two years ago. But the reason why I like that idea or the reason why I want to A-B test this is because I can then eliminate all of my duds (laughs) because I've already done all of these. I know which ones flopped and I know which ones were amazing and I can cut out all of the crappy ones and only do the amazing ones. Oh, okay. And I can continuously improve it as I go along. So in my mind, it makes a lot of sense, but it makes me nervous because I don't know of anybody else that's already done it. So I'm always kind of like... I want to risk it, but I think I'm going to risk it. (laughs) You mean duds just in terms of what the open rate was on that subject line, what the reaction was to that content? Yeah. Yeah. It could be anything. I mean, it could be like if I had a flash sale for something, even if it's just an affiliate, let's say I had a flash sale for an affiliate and it didn't really do fantastic. Right. But if I put it into this, what I'm going to call it a funnel, I don't know the word for it because it's it's not just a funnel to sell a product. It's almost like a complete email funnel or my emails go through this funnel that I can actually put that flash sale for that affiliate into this funnel. And as it goes through, I can continuously try to tweak it and make it better so that the open rates are always increasing, the sale rates are always increasing, and it's consistently performing better. The only, I would say, barrier to that is that I need to get the affiliates to agree to give me a some sort of a flash code sale that's evergreen, that, that doesn't expire. Like it, It's not just for January 2nd to January 1st. It could be like any time that I use it. Yeah. Jacques Hopkins, I think, recommended Deadline Funnel. He runs piano in 21 dayscom And he was using that to create 
this urgency. Like if you join, doesn't matter when you join, but like for you, because you're that individual subscriber, like your countdown clock starts now and goes for three days or whatever it is. Yes. Okay. That's exactly. We can do that on lead pages, but it's a little bit difficult. You have to like redirect the page after a certain time and it tracks you by your IP address. Okay. Talk to me about this idea of calculating ROI because I think a lot of side hustlers, a lot of bloggers probably are focused on things that that maybe don't matter. Like you've been relentless about, is this driving results? And the results are dollars, not necessarily more page views, not necessarily more Facebook likes. Talk to me about this calculation that you have and and maybe where you recommend people start or, or start spending their time. Absolutely. Okay. So this is my favorite topic in the world. And I kind of fell into ROI. Like I didn't even know what it meant when I first started, which is return on your investment. And when I started, what it was, was that I was working 50 hours a week. I was running a home daycare. I just quit my job as a state trooper. My husband was like, this is insane. Like, I don't know if this is going to work. And it was really important for me to basically be able to be full-time income within a year. And if I wasn't able to make full-time income in a year, I was going to have to walk away. Like that, there was just no way to make this happen any other way. So I eliminated anything that I wasn't the most important thing for my growth. So I didn't answer all of those spam emails that you get there that are like, hey, can you put this infographic in, in your blog post? Like, no, I didn't even like read them. I didn't answer every blog comment, which is something that pretty much everyone tells you to do. I didn't do all the things that everybody else thought was important. I just focused on Elite Blog Academy, which I was in at the time. And I only focused on whatever I was doing in EBA. So when we got to the traffic unit, I buried myself in Pinterest. Like it didn't come up for days. It was insane. Okay. And I only worked 10 hours a week. And as I grew out of that, what I realized was that you don't have to work 50, 60, 70 hours a week to make it an insane income blogging. There's very little overhead in blogging. And if you spend your time doing the things that make you the most amount of money consistently and you eliminate doing the things that make you less amount of money consistently, your income naturally grows. Like It's almost impossible to fail at this. If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Yeah. What would you say to the person who's not making any money blogging right now? Like how do they, how do they come up with this calculation? Because the theory is, okay, if you're earning say 50 bucks an hour from your blogging efforts, which it took me years, honestly, to get to that rate blogging, you should if you want to grow your income, you need to focus on $100 an hour projects and you need, yes. and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but it works even if you don't have income. It's a little bit different though, because you need to trust somebody enough to know what 
has higher ROI, meaning what's going to get you closer to your goal. So we call like the easiest path to full-time income and blogging. And it means that you start on basically your training, like start on foundation is what we call it. So for me, it's Elite Blog Academy. And Elite Blog Academy basically teaches you how to make money as a blogger, the five different income streams, and it goes through all the things that you need to get right in order to make a massive income blogging. So it teaches you things like avatar, content being king. It teaches you how to do graphics, graphic design, all the things that you need to do. So that's the first thing that you do. Once you have that, then you focus on page views. The easiest page views to get are going to be Pinterest if your audience is on Pinterest. If it's not, it's probably going to be Google, but Google, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer to get that because their search algorithms take a little bit longer to respond. Sure. So I would say six to nine months minimum before you start getting traffic even worth talking about on Google. Yeah. And the advantages to platforms like these is it's what you would call user to content platforms. People are searching for answers to their questions. They're specifically looking for, you know, for something to help solve their problem in most cases. And a consistent number of people usually are searching for that this month, next month, the following month. So it's kind of like these are mini searches versus like, oh, I had something go viral on Facebook for two days and then it died off. Exactly. So there's a couple of reasons for that. But the most important is that that's the only thing that you can do on those platforms. Those platforms are meant for finding blog posts. Like sure, there's sure, sure. nothing else to do. And it's actually, so yeah, a conversation with Joseph Hogue, also from the FinCon community kind of brought this up. Like if you're creating content that you don't expect to generate traffic either from Google or from Pinterest, what's the point of writing that? Exactly. And kind of, because I was treating blogging for a lot of years as part journal. This is like, hey, what was I up to this week and stuff like that. And those posts were kind of fun and maybe, you know, there was some creative outlet and catharsis in like writing it. But like, <laughs> yeah. what was from a business standpoint, what was the point of that? Pointless. Yeah, yeah sadly. <laughs> but I bet they're awesome to read. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they're awesome to read. And so there's, there's a component of it that's like, okay, this is relationship building with my audience. But you could also do that with this hopefully evergreen content that you're creating for these other channels. Yes. So it's also the life of a post. So life of a post on Pinterest. One of my viral posts on Pinterest is still going strong three years later. Like it was one of my first viral posts. Google, things that have performed well for me on Google don't ever seem to die down. It's the same thing. But if something goes really hot on Facebook, it's like flash in a pan and it's done. Yeah. And you can continue to reuse it. But typically, it doesn't just keep going and going and going and going on Facebook. Yeah, no, same thing. I've had articles written years ago that are still getting Google traffic because it's like, well, that's the best answer to that question in their mind. <laughs> it's crazy. So once you have that traffic, then the next best thing to do is to focus on your email list. And that just means generating those email lists and you should have a freebie. And I know what you're thinking. If you're against this idea, you're like, well, I don't really want to have a freebie because I want the people that sign up for my list to really care. Nobody cares. I'm sorry. I don't care how good your posts are. Nobody cares enough to sign up for your email list. Your job is to give them something that they want enough that they're willing to give up their email address for. And then your job is to get in their face in their email box and make them love you. Love you to the point of continue reading. You have to prove to them that you're actually going to be able to help them, that you understand their problems and that you really do care and you should actually really care. Now, if somebody finds you from Pinterest or Google and they say, hey, this 90-day budget makeover as a freebie, that sounds awesome. Are they presented with that same upsell offer right away? Yep. Okay. We use Pretty Links, I think is it's a plugin. So 
anytime we have to update anything, everybody goes through the same. The only way to get into my email list is through, well, now it's like seven links, but back in the day, it used to be just two links, either budgeting or blogging. And then everybody goes through the same funnel. Okay. Okay. So once you start dating your list and you establish that, or I'm sorry, first you're going to create a freebie for them. And for extra credit, you can have like the related upsell. Yes. Then you can have a related upsell for extra credit. I wouldn't even mess with that at that point though. Okay. And then you're going to start dating your list. You're going to start writing a weekly newsletter. You're going to establish a relationship with them. You want to have them get to know you just like, I mean, you're listening to Nick's podcast. You love Nick. I love Nick because I listen to Nick's podcast. And it's like, Nick is like a little mini celebrity to you. Like you love Nick. Like you just want to know about him. You just want to hang out with him. You totally feel like you can go to a craft brewery and drink beers with him one day because he's just awesome. Let's do it. So that's what your email readers should feel about you. They should trust you. They should like you. It's almost like having a best friend. So when your best friend says like, oh, you should try whatever, Stitch Fix, or we would actually ever recommend Stitch Fix because our audience doesn't have money, but you should try this budget bootcamp or you should try Freeze Easy. Oh my gosh, I love it. They should know that you're not just trying to sell them stuff and you shouldn't be trying to sell them stuff. You should be genuinely thinking about what their problems are and finding solutions to their problems. Yeah. And then once you get past that stage, you're going to go to the core affiliate strategy, which is basically like, okay, so now you have these readers. They like you, you like them, you've built a trust, you've built a relationship. So now you can actually go out and find solutions to their problems that, and if they have an affiliate program, and we recommend plenty of products and things that are we feel like our audience would love that don't have an affiliate program, but the ones that do, you recommend and you make a commission based on that. That gives you enough money to then save and use to create your own products. So creating your own products was really scary for me because you're going to need to hire like a graphic designer to make them look not horrible like my first <laughs> ones were. So you want to create a graphic designer, you're going to have to likely invest in lead pages. It gets a little more expensive once you start creating your own products, but this gives you a full-time income and it gives you money that you can easily set aside to start focusing on creating your own products. And it gives you a time to breathe and make really, really good products that are going to change the lives of your readers. Have you gone down the path of doing video products, video courses, or all these kind of like, just, hey, these are just a PDF workbook. There's a PDF guide to whatever it is. I am not a video course person. I love workbooks. Like you give me a workbook and I will do every single assignment. I love it. Video courses to me, I expect to be really lengthy and in depth and stuff that I don't understand. I have taken them before, but I prefer workbooks. So the only video course that we have is the Make Money at Home Master Plan. But even then I did an Amy Porterfield style. So it's not like me sitting in a chair, like in a room talking. It's just my screens and I'm talking over the screens as I go through the slot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense too. Cause I've actually, so I was never, like, I think one of the reasons I have a hard time creating my own products, like for the longest time, really up until this year, like I have not been the person to buy courses. And really? I don't know, I'm always just like, I'll, I'll brute force this, I'll figure it out myself. And, you know, part oh, of that is like that stubborn mentality. And then part of that is just my inherent cheapness. But then, you know, after multiple conversations with you and like dozens of other people, like in mastermind groups, it's like, oh, this really makes sense to invest what hopefully is a reasonably small amount of money relative to the time it's going to save you or the education that you can get from it instead of banging your head against the wall like trying to figure it out like no why don't you just learn from somebody who's already been there done that and that's actually made a big difference 
this year in, and it's like, oh, I never would have known that otherwise. Or, or, you know, maybe I would have figured it out or maybe not. So that's been helpful this year. And the point I wanted to make about that is kind of surprising is a few of the courses that I bought like are primarily what you're talking about. Like they're mostly text-based. It's not necessarily that talking head video where it's like, oh, I've got to watch this five hours worth of demo. And then sometimes it makes <laughs> sense to do like, especially if you're trying to like do inside of a certain software interface or something yeah. like that, like it makes sense absolutely to do screen sharing and stuff. But a lot of it has been text-based. It's like, oh, this is great. I can read it at my own pace. And I was a little bit surprised by that initially, but I was like, oh, okay, that's totally valuable, delivered what I promised and was happy to pay for it. I really feel like we talk ourselves out of creating products because we think, well, I'm not good enough. So-and-so can create products because hers are better than mine. In reality, we had such, and I felt exactly the same way. I always thought that I sucked at products, but we had such amazing feedback and it was it was just amazing. Like once I got into products, I was like, this is it. Our hope is that 90% of our income comes from products within the next year. Where you at now mix wise? I would say 50 to 60% right now, maybe a little bit higher. Okay. And that's between? It's all of them. Yeah. So it's the budget workbook, core affiliate strategy, date your list. We just created the blog starter workbook, which is doing amazing. And that basically just teaches you step-by-step from the beginning, meaning you don't even have a website yet. Like you have no idea how to blog. You don't know anything. You don't even know what your name's going to be. It teaches you step-by-step everything you need to know to get your website up and running and to put it in a position where it could be profitable. Okay. Is it busybudgetershop.com is the best place? Like if somebody wants to go just like check out the catalog, check out what you got? Yeah. Busybudgetershop.com. Okay. Is there a reason SEO wise or otherwise, like not to put it on the main busybudgeter.com domain? I have no idea. John said that <laughs> I should, I should stop asking tech questions. I know. We we do most of our sales actually through lead pages, but we we created the shop because we had so many people going like, how do I buy this? And I'm like, okay, you have to search for a post that says this and then go down halfway and you're going to find a link. And we're like, we just need a shop. This is getting ridiculous. Okay. Well, plus it, it provides proof of like, no, look, this actually is something that we sell for $27 and yeah. for you, it's a special $7 deal. So that that is, hey, you know, go check our site. Don't, don't just take my word for it. You can see it online. See, that's how I know you're frugal because I would never, ever look. <laughs> like I would never <laughs> even think about it. I feel like I'm going to be like, well, w- let's see if she has this offer for real, <laughs> you know? That's funny. And so going back to the the ROI thing, it's like, so you're really, it relies on tracking your income on a, on a weekly, monthly basis, saying like, well, how much did I earn versus how much time did I put in and saying, okay, what can I do next month to improve that ratio basically? And going from there, I think you mapped out a pretty good path to get that done. Yeah. And I think we got off track there, but basically all those things that I walk through or basically like if you're not sure what to do, those consistently have the highest rates of ROI for me. No, I've done other things. I've done lots of sponsored posts, but I realized that just it can't match the ROI of the other stuff. So do you put two or three hours a week into a sponsored post or do you just say, screw the sponsored post. I'm going to give up the money short term and I'm going to focus my time over here on funnels, products, affiliates, your newsletter list, and then increase my income. So I like, and the other thing is saying no to things. It sounds awful, but here's the thing, guys. Like, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. I still do. I love this business that I've created and I love this blog, but I love my family more. And at the end of the day, like, this is not fun for me if I feel chained to it. Do you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, 
yeah, we're going to run our own business. We're going to have a blog. I have to work 80 hours a week. What the heck? Like, that's not fun. So for me, I, the reason why I keep consistent hours at 20 hours a week, we screwed around with them. And I think we talked about this last time, but I went up to 30 hours a week and then hired like a house cleaner and a chef and all that sorts of fun stuff. And then I decided that that was actually too much work to manage them all. So we got (laughs) rid of all of that. And now I'm just back to 20 hours a week and I still cook up my own dinner, which is way easier. Okay. But that was also ROI because it's like you're testing it. What can I do here to like give me the best results that I want with the least amount of effort, the least amount of time spent doing it? But there's other stuff you want to do in life. Do you know what I mean? There's other stuff besides business. And I feel like we say yes to everything because we don't know how to say no. And I also feel like sometimes we don't look for ways to increase our business revenue because we feel like we have so much. And I know I've struggled with this a lot too because... I mean, most bloggers never started off as business people. Do you know what I mean? I was a police officer. There were dentists or like a firefighter. I know like we all Mm -hmm. came from these like ragtag professions. Like we didn't know what we, we don't know anything about business. And then when you get into business, it can feel like you just got incredibly lucky and you don't want to ask for more. And it's not like that. You shouldn't think about trying to constantly get more money to like hoard it and do whatever think about it as I want to increase the reach because I legitimately want to help people. I get all the emails from readers that are like, you changed my life. Like I've been through all of these other budgeting programs and we were still living paycheck to paycheck. And like for the first time ever, I am debt free. When you get all of those emails and you see that you legitimately have a chance to change someone's life, it's not about getting the most money for you. It's about being able to hire people and taking them out of their soul-sucking job and letting them work from home so that they can stay home with their babies. Anyway, there's a lot of cool things that comes from growing your business, but at the end of the day, like you can't be afraid to say it's okay to want to grow my income. That's a big thing. Yeah. I mean, you you touched on a lot of reasons why people wouldn't do it. You know, the imposter syndrome and the I'm going to my list is going to hate me. Like I'll be giving all this free stuff away. Like I'm going to feel like a sellout. Yeah. It's pretty impressive, but yeah, it's not, it's not fun if I'm going to feel chained to it. So it's got to be something that you enjoy doing. And the truth is nobody knows what they're doing when, when they start out. And the cool thing is for the past two years, we've done these episodes, people have come up to me at conferences and probably you too and say, Oh my gosh, that episode with Rosemary, I'm making however many thousands of dollars a month as a result of that single episode. And it's I know. Like, that is super empowering. I mean, that's really cool to hear. Like, do you have any examples of other things you've said no to as a blogger, as a business owner? Oh my gosh, everything. Like I, I <laughs> it's, I legitimately say no to like everything, everything that comes in. And the thing is, is because very few things actually have higher ROI. So like if you get invites to all of these conferences and cool things to do and mastermind groups, all of these things are important at different levels, right? But for the most part, none of those things are going to actually have like a true ROI on your dollar. So I call that fuzzy math. What could you actually get out of this? Could you get clarity, clear understanding? Like it might happen, but it may not. So it's kind of fuzzy math. So I limit the amount of fuzzy math that I do. And I try to stay really consistent to like, I'm going to do X and I'm going to make Y. What helps get over the FOMO if you're missing out on somebody invites you to their conference, either either as a speaker, as an attendee, or somebody invites you to join their mastermind group, or somebody offers you a book deal. What do you do to... Well, that could be an awesome opportunity. 
calculating it helps for me, literally calculating it, thinking like, okay, let's say I go to this event, let's say give this talk and everybody loves it and they want to buy a product or something that I have. How many of those people realistically are going to buy a product? Now, I know on an email list, it's 10% would be amazing, 5% more realistic, 2% way more realistic. So in, (laughs) in a group of people, what does that equal out to? So then when you think about it from that respect, what I do is I go to conferences because they're fun and I love them. And it's almost like a vacation to me. And it also gives me a couple of days to clear my head. But I only go to the conferences that I legitimately want to go to. I have lots of friends there. I think they're they're fun. I'm not going because I, I need a clear, direct return on my ROI. Sure, sure. But I also don't count that as working hours. So if I go to a conference, I have to make out my working hours on the weekend and the next week, which suck, by the way. Okay. For things like... Is this awkward if I say podcast interviews? (laughs) (laughs) For podcast interviews. I feel very flattered that you agreed to do this interview. I know, three of them with you. (laughs) So for podcast interviews and things like that, I typically do them only if I have an established relationship with a person. Like, Nick, this is our third one. We always joke around that all of my male readers actually came from <laughs> from you because those are the only men that follow me. Which if you know, like, I, I should say, like, I just, for some reason, I hadn't been on your list previously, or maybe I was and got dropped off. But like, I have joined your email list this year, maybe it was to check out some of the stuff you're doing. But like, awesome example of, you can see how she's dating her list in the examples and like the language that she uses and stuff. So if you're not already joined to busybudgeter.com, I recommend checking that out too. Nick's trying to give me high ROI for this podcast. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> but, you're gonna uh, calculate afterwards. You're like that was a huge waste of time. I know, no, but actually, that's what I was gonna say. Is the last two podcasts we've done have actually had a really big ROI. So, like, this is a clear yes for me. Total, total yes. That's good. And then anything like that. So a lot of these offers, anytime like a company is like, hey, we're going to give you free exposure or anything like that, I automatically say no to. Even things that I think that masterminds are either supremely helpful or really kind of a waste of time. And it really just depends. If you get the right people in one, if you get a really good accountability partner, it can skyrocket your results. But if you get stuck in a group where people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, or you're just not really learning, or you're not really growing, then you're wasting. At one point, we were calculating that I was doing five hours a month of mastermind groups Mm -hmm. and zero hours with my own team, which is clearly an issue. So things like that. But the number one rule for that is when people ask you to do something, just wait a day and then answer. The way that we always handle things is we're like, oh my God, yeah, I'd love to. That'd be so much fun. And that just rolls off the tip of our tongues. But you have to just wait a day and then really think about like, what is this going to be? Okay. I just got asked to speak in another state. I was going to have to fly. I was going to have to figure out childcare and all of that. And it was a fantastic opportunity, right? The guy is like, this should be like a clear yes. Like everybody else is so excited when I asked them. And I was like, dude, it's like a huge honor. But for the time and the money that I'm going to spend, I don't think that I'm going to get a direct return on it. And I don't really need the ego boosting, if that makes sense. I don't really need to know that I did this. That makes sense. I'm curious, what were the first couple roles you hired for? You mentioned, hey, I'm not meeting with my team enough. What were the first help that you brought on? Email should be number one. Email is the biggest no-brainer. I cannot figure out how bloggers do their own email. We get a ton of fan mail. We get a ton of offers. We get a ton of those spam infomercial things. 
And we have a ton of customer service questions and affiliate launch questions and things like that. So an email VA, a good email VA, you come up with a if this, then that system. So like every email you get like this, then you do this. You can set up canned responses in Gmail. She keeps a little file of things. So we have a Trello board that we go back and forth on. She keeps a big file of things that she wants me to see in Trello. So if you are on my email list and you were to write to me and you say something like, Rosemary, you're so awesome. I'm actually going to see it. (laughs) But I may not be the one that actually responds to you, which sounds terrible. But the fact of the matter is if I responded to everybody, then my 20 hours a week would be spent responding to emails. (laughs) And I would get nothing done. So we had to come up with some sort of a some sort of a way to handle that. But I do get to read probably not everyone, but most of them. And then we actually do take reader questions. Like if you had a question or if you got stuck or something like that, you can email me and Jenny puts it into a, into a, we've got like a whole system for it. So if it's something that we get a bunch of questions on, I read a post or I read an email about it and she emails it to you. Or if it's like a total one-off, then as soon as I can, if I have a free second, I'll tell Jenny the answer and she can text it back to you. So we've actually helped a lot of bloggers with like tech questions and problems and stuff like that. You know what I'm talking about when you get stuck and you just need like one person to tell you what program you use or what plugin. Yeah, I've, I've been there for sure. So, okay, last question, and this is more on <laughs> before I'll let you go and you can get back to other higher tasks. <laughs> Did you do anything like survey wise with the audience or with the email list to say, to figure out what product to create? Or was it like, look, I know my audience. I was my audience. I know this is something that's going to help them. I'm just going to build it and they'll come. We're doing Ask Method Masterclass. So we've started doing that. Before it was really just me. I mean, for the blogging side, it was really easy because whatever I was creating for my mastermind group, I then just repackaged and sold to everyone. For the budgeting side, it's I would say 70% me, 30% my executive assistant. So my executive assistant used to also be in my target audience. And she has just amazing, amazing insight. And I think that she's a little bit closer to being in my audience because it's been a little bit, it's been about five years since I was there. So together, we developed the products in the system. So it's a little bit of both. But I think Ask Method Masterclass is going to make a big difference going forward. Okay. Yeah, definitely recommend if you haven't read the book, Ask by Ryan Levesque, definitely worth checking out to see how to bucket different subscribers, see what their pain points are and go from there. And then the masterclass, of course, is the upsell at the end of the book. So yes, we do do the bucketing though, but I got that from Kim Sejournis from Not Consumed. She taught a session at Digi Collab, and I think it was similar to that, but we've been bucketing we do bucket by opt-in. So as soon as they opt-in, that tells me how to bucket them. And then we bucket them from there. But that's probably advanced. So don't get overwhelmed. You should totally do this. This is going to be awesome. Don't freak out. Don't get overwhelmed. Well, it depends on what stage you're at in your blogging journey. I think that's probably the biggest takeaway, probably the biggest pattern that we've seen from these three episodes. And I know this is one part tutorial, one part therapy session for me. So again, <laughs> appreciate you coming to join me. Busybudgeter.com. If you're not on Rosemary's email list, definitely check it out over there busybudgetershop.com for examples of the products that are for sale. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation for 2018. Facebook ads. Learn Facebook ads, man. Wow. <laughs> Learn Facebook ads, the unlimited faucet of, of traffic there. Yes, absolutely. All right. Sounds good. Thanks again. We'll catch up with you soon. This is awesome. Thank you for having me. You bet. 
This edition of the Side Hustle Show is brought to you by FreshBooks.com, the cloud accounting solution that's recommended by 97% of small business owners. I was chatting with Rob Eng, who's actually a senior marketing manager at FreshBooks, and he's a FreshBooks customer for his side hustle, which is a sandwich catering business. I thought that was super cool, but... Rob shared this story about how every single employee spends their first month on the job answering the phones to learn firsthand about FreshBooks customers and the product. Whether you're, you know, the VP of marketing or you're just a developer, um, you have to do that full month and we actually can't use it. You're actually a full-time sport rock star. So you have to really empathize to learn about our product, learn about the people that work at FreshBooks and learn about our customer. It's a big investment we do to really show that even if you don't have a side business, we want you to understand and empathize with our customers. So so when you do your actual job you're hired for, you have the customer in mind. Visit freshbooks.com slash side hustle to start your 30-day completely free trial today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle for bookkeeping bliss along with rockstar support. All right, my top takeaways from round three with Rosemary. Number one, focus on the right things at the right time. It was about building the foundation first, then traffic, then email, then affiliate offers, then products, then paid traffic. And every step of the way, you're thinking about who you're serving and how you're helping them. So last year, I actually enrolled in Elite Blog Academy myself through Rosemary's recommendation and her affiliate link, of course. And it's pretty intense. Like nine months later, I'm still working my way through it. And I think the key to all of this is the foundation, though. There are There's going to be some exceptions to this, but the sites that I see doing well, for the most part, have a really well-defined structure of who they're for and how they help those people. I was on a site the other day for a baby sleep therapist, and the headline was, do you dread bedtime? And I was like, yes, OMG, this is speaking directly to me, or at least to the me from when, you know, the first couple months of our son's life. And thankfully, he's a great sleeper now. But that was like the perfect example of like, okay, I know exactly who this is for. And I now, because they've spoken to me in that way, I trust that they can help me out with that. I think if you're looking to turn your blog into a business, you can't look at it like a journal, which is how I started blogging back in 2009. I'd write posts with titles like On Inertia, and of course, no one would ever find them. So that's uh, takeaway number one, focus on the right things at the right time. Takeaway number two is to measure, actually measure your ROI every month. I think it's going to make you think twice about those tasks that you're, you know, quote, supposed to do, but really don't have any impact one way or the other. You got to remember the Peter Drucker quote of what gets measured gets managed. Now, I'm halfway there on this. I can give you a snapshot of where the business is in terms of profit and loss daily. But the part of the equation that's missing is the hourly input that went into generating those profits. That's what Rosemary is talking about when she suggests to measure your ROI. And where, if I'm being honest, where I have a hard time with that is all the stuff that you can't really calculate, the fuzzy math part, right? The the community building, the relationship building, the one-on-one email question answering. I know it's worth something, but I can tell you what that number is. Takeaway number three is if you can drive profitable paid traffic, everything else is pretty much irrelevant. So if you skipped ahead to that part, hey, good on you. I've been playing around with some Facebook ads ever since my conversation with Deacon Hayes in episode 252, and I'm happy to report that they are profitable, just not to the level uh, that Deacon was experiencing in his first month and not really to where I'd like them to be. And I haven't gone down the path of driving traffic to a sign-up page with a freebie offer and an upsell behind it, but who knows? Maybe someday I will do that as well. 
Notes and links from this episode, along with a free PDF highlight reel with all of Rosemary's top tips, are at sidehustlenation.com slash rosemary3, or you can grab that through the uh, link in the episode description of your podcast player app. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen, and I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to The Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.